Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. I don't know if this is loud. It feels loud, but everything feels loud to me. Hope you're well. Hello, Beth. How are you? Great to see you. Lovely. Um, if you knew, as someone said, Mark said, I'm Joel. Welcome. Stick around. We'd love to get to know you. Are you ready? Okay, Romans uh, 12, I want to read a couple of verses, and verse 2 is going to appear on the screen. Um, it says this, uh, So, my dear family, this is my appeal to you. By the mercies of God, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Worship like this brings your mind into line with God's. And on the screen, uh, what's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed. Everyone say, squeezed. Thank you. Into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can work out what God's will is, what is good, acceptable, and complete. Can I read further? There we go. Through the grace which was given to me, I have this to say to each one of you. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Rather, think soberly in line with faith, the true standard which God has marked out for each of you. As in one body we have many limbs and organs, you see, and all the parts have different functions, so we, many as we are, are one body in the Messiah, and individually we belong to one another. Verse 2 again on the screen. What's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can work out what God's will is, what is good, acceptable, and complete. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here, that you're in the midst of your church. We're not a body just randomly throwing ourselves around, that you are the thing that we are connected to. So we ask this morning, King Jesus, that you would be the head of your church. Ask as we come around some simple thoughts right now, God, that we would understand in a fresh way who we are called to be. I pray that you would renew our minds, no matter how seasoned we are. I pray, Jesus, you would allow us to keep on being renewed to your standard, to your ways, to your thoughts. If we become stagnant in our own ways and our own thoughts, may this morning be an activity, an opportunity to be renewed. Pray that we would be more unified when we walk out of this place than when we walked in. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Kez. Sean Rad. What a name and what a spelling. Who loves just spelling names differently? Does everyone know that Paul spells his name P-U-L-E, which I don't even think is a word. Puel, I think that uh, it's just weird spelling. It's just a, just a thing. Um, this man uh, was born in 1986. What a year. Vintage year. Amazing stuff. Born in L.A. to two parents that immigrated from Iran a decade earlier. At the age of 26, this man... Sean Rad made an app, and this app is called Tinder. Tinder 
is a dating app. It is the second most popular dating app. The first being... Interesting, I just wanted to see if there was any desperate single people in the room. At the age of 26, he made this app where he met his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Alexa Dell, the daughter of Michael Dell, the creator of... Dell. Dell. Look at that, the name was all, gave all the information just then. Who owns a Dell computer? I'd like to pray for you after the service, that God would heal you and provide you the apples that he promises. Sean created this app called Tinder. It is a dating app. I didn't have a profile until this morning where me and Ben made a profile for my wife just to see how the app worked. For You got an email this morning? Well, we made the app this morning in the office. Uh, I felt it was inappropriate to make it for myself as a married man, but my wife, on the other hand, she's on there. We swiped left, we swiped right. It is, yeah, she's She's, don't go on now. Okay, that's weird. We'll talk to our senior pastors when they're back. Um, it is an app where you swipe left if you're uninterested in people and you swipe right. And all the information you have is a couple of pictures, an age, a name, and perhaps a couple of little lines of description. When this app was created, within two years, it had experienced, it had gone up to one billion swipes a day of people like a Old French king swiping, yes and no. I don't, an old French king is not a popular term, is it? Um, choosing through people. It has 75 million daily users. That is a lot of people swiping left and right, choosing who they would like, who they would not like. 80% of all of the people on Tinder are males. little fact for you. We tried to change that stat this morning with Alex's account. Um, and now there is a daily swiping of 4 billion swipes every single day. Lonely people sitting in their lounge room just dating with their judge, judging, pointing little fingers. I swiped so much for Alex this morning, I did an injury. That's my finger here. And what's interesting about uh, online dating is the things that used to be red flags in dating are no longer the first thing that you see because red flags are things of like a lack of communication or controlling or a lack of trust. You can't really get from a profile picture an age, which is probably incorrect, a name, which is quite likely incorrect, and a little funny description. The things that used to be clear red flags, stay away from that person, have now been replaced. The red flags are different. It could be the hat that someone's wearing and the brand or the look that they have or perhaps they have a moustache and it's not November so there's no excuse to wear one of them. The red flags have been replaced. Maybe you have had some red flags of your own in your dating seasons. If you can think back, if you've been married for a while, this week me and Alex have been dating for 16 years in a row. I don't know what that, yep. That was a break of a couple of days, but she didn't know about it. Um, maybe your red flags are based in habits. Oh, they pick their nails, pick their nails, bite their nails pick their teeth. There's all these different things that it could be. Maybe your, your red flag is you don't want someone to have two smaller shins. You know when people have low set kneecaps and they've got really tiny shins? It could be something as specific as that or uneven ears or a 
descending hairline, like where their hair gets further and further down their back. Um, it could be all of these different things. Maybe it was things if they needed to have this amount of money. Maybe they needed to look like this or talk like this, or this is the type of person you were looking for. Can we look up to our screen for a little red flags quote? Is that okay? Red flags are moments of hesitation that determine our destination. There are some things that should be red flags that give you a pause, a hesitation, a moment to consider whether the outcome, the destination that you'll end up is something that you want. Sometimes our red flags are just based in straight up trauma or someone looked at us one way, so now when that someone else looks at us that way, then that's a bad thing. Or once someone was wearing a red shirt and said something mean, so now if you wear red, that's a, our red flag could be ridiculous. But when it comes to the things of God and when it comes to living a life um, with the destination in mind, we need to articulate what are red flags for us culturally. Because if we do know what a red flag is in the church, in our pursuit of Jesus, we can have a pause, a moment of hesitation to consider whether we are going to change, alter, accept this thing, whether we're going to lower our bar a little bit further because we're getting a little bit more desperate, or if we're going to take the red flag as a moment to address, as a moment to be like, no, this is kind of a smoke, there's a fire somewhere, let's address this thing. So this morning I want to talk simply about our celebration code and specifically four of our codes that are the God codes. Our mission statement as a church is to celebrate God, people, and life locally, nationally, globally. It's on our banner right back there. And then we have, that is our vision. That is where we want to end up. That is our destination. Then we have a thing called the Celebration Code, which is made up of 12 cultural statements that help us not only see our destination, our vision, but our culture is our everyday. Our vision is our one day. Our culture is our everyday activities. It is our habits, it is how we speak, it is, our, it is everything about our traditions, it is what we are actively doing today. And our code, our 12 code, is split up into three different categories. To celebrate God is four of our codes, to celebrate people is four of our codes, and to celebrate life is four of our codes. So this morning, I want to focus on the four that are about celebrating God, if that's okay with you. The title of today's message is simply Red Flags of a godless church. These are things that if we take as red flags and address, God will remain to be welcome in our church, individually and corporately, that He will live close to us. But if these cultures are unaddressed, if these cultures aren't enforced that are good, kingdom, godly cultures, we will find ourselves perhaps at a you-focused church or a me focused church or a function focused church or events or worship or any other thing that we can idolize that isn't him but if we take red flags and i'm going to give you some this morning that we can see in our own lives and each others and address them we will end up in a place where god has space to move there is a hunger for god and there is a willingness to compromise ourselves for his will there is a space for god there is a hunger for God and there is a willingness to compromise ourselves for the benefit of His will. 
So can I share four codes with us this morning? We are going to be re-going over some things this morning, but it's good to be renewed. Can I get an amen? Sounds fantastic. The first code is this. It is number one, and it is the first one this morning. It is, we are all about Jesus. It's a good place to start. It's a good place to finish. It's a good place to live your entire life from. Code number one, let me read it for us. We are all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. We take our eyes off ourselves and off our problems and put them on Jesus. Each one of these codes hopefully let you go throughout your day, your week, your service this morning, a regular Sunday, sisterhood this afternoon, a connect group, a time that you meet with someone else from our church and come back to something that is going to result in God having space to move, you being hungry for God and you being willing to compromise for His will. So the next time you find yourself overwhelmed by your problems or yourself, when you find yourself being fixated on something that is less than Jesus, come back, use it as a red flag when you find yourself speaking about your giants more than your saviour. When you find yourself focused on the waves, not King Jesus. To take it as a red flag to be like, I don't want to end up in the place of idolizing everything that isn't him. So this is a red flag for me right now. Am I all about Jesus? It is very, 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 very easy to not be about Jesus as a Jesus follower. All it takes is selfishness which perhaps you are like me, we are very good at selfishness. To be concerned about our problems, our situations, our dramas, our hurt, what we need, even our shame. But to come back to know, I choose to make this all about Jesus. Volunteers, when you're serving on a team, is this all about Jesus or is this about someone else? Is this about a team leader? Is this about what I want? Is this about my family? Is this about what I can get out of this? Or is this about Jesus? Is it about the poor? Is it about the needy? Is it about the hungry? Or is this about Jesus? Is this about my city or my school or my workplace? Or is this about Jesus? Is this about me getting the right relationships or getting my dreams answered or getting everything that I want? Or is this about Jesus? And if we're truly to be a church that actually fulfills what we're called to be a celebration church we have to start here every single day every single moment every single conversation stop trying to solve all the problems let's teach each other to take our eyes off ourselves and our problems and put them onto Jesus it's simple it's true and if we only did this one we would be okay It's really easy to do this one in tragedies when everything else breaks and falls apart when your health goes down or family falls apart or or you go through heartache it's really easy when you've got nothing to make it about Jesus but choosing to do this every single day and calling yourself out for it when you miss the mark is a discipline worth mastering my challenge for you this morning church today this service you came to 
Was it all about Jesus? Did Watto and Claudia pray for the right amount of time for you? Did Nat and the team do a good job leading the songs that you agreed with? Who cares if you agree with the songs? They're not for you. (laughs) Did the host team welcome you good enough? Was your coffee order or your food order on time? If you served on a team this morning, was everyone on your time frame? Did they understand that you were the center of the team this morning? Did you come late to church? Because uh, it's different to work. You can, you can come on time to work, but church is different because we're family, so we have bad convictions. Ooh. It doesn't matter that Nat's here two hours early. I'll come 10 minutes late every week. Ooh. Was it about Jesus? The quiet time this morning that's actually about you and Jesus, did it exist? I'm telling you, baby, it's easy to do this without him at the center. To put him on the side, God doesn't like being on the side. He's not a good side guy. Copyright, trademark, side guy. Side guy, write it down, new dating app. No, it's not. Uh, I have a saying when Pastor Bernard and Charlie are away, the rats will play, and that's us right now. We're just a whole bunch of rats playing. Um, the, this, the third code, or our second one this morning, is this. Um, we are revival. We pray that God would move, and we pray that He will use us. We believe that God is in us, and every time we move, there is a move of God. We are naturally supernatural. We are presence people. This code is really uh, worded in a way to help us not to idolize revival, but to look to Jesus. Because revival is often a one-day concept. One day, there'll be a youth ministry... One day, there'll be buses of high school students filling up our car park. Our our high schools will shut down. Everyone will get on buses and come here. And that's what revival looks like. One day, there'll be hundreds of people in our youth worship team. One day, there'll be so many new people that we don't know where to put them. One day, and what happens is we idolize revival as something that happens one day, when in fact, revival is every day. And revival is the church getting a fresh wind from God. A revival is your quiet time. A revival is not when someone comes out of a wheelchair. That is a fruit of revival. Revival is wind. It is the Holy Spirit breathing into you. It is not when you see something, sight, a miracle, and then you get faith. That's not revival. Revival is when God speaks, and when He speaks, it's enough. Then fruit may flow or it may not flow in our timing, but revival is when the church understands God is in her and every time I move, there's a move of God. So the problem, therefore, is not a sinful city. The problem is a sinful me. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Purify your hearts, you sinners. James 4 verse 8. 
sinners. Sin, rebelling against the will of God, doing less than what he's called you to do. The problem is not my city is wicked. It is not Bill Gates. The problem is me. The problem is if I am revival, if we are revival, we must walk in a way with our head up towards heaven, allowing him to flow through us and move through us. That we would make the supernatural natural. That we would have visions and dreams, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, that we would walk ahead of the world, not chasing the world. That we would be present people. That we would be okay with lingering in worship. Not on a Sunday. Don't, uh, I was talking to someone a little while ago that was idolizing a, a six-hour church service they were in. They were like, it was six hours, it was so good. And that's not it. When was the last time you spent six hours with God with no one watching? Because that's it. It's revival. Revival is you and God, Him breathing inside of you and you walking in a way with your head up, allowing God to flow through you. So the first thing, we are all about Jesus. The second thing, we are revival. This helps us to celebrate God, not to celebrate us or to celebrate life, but to celebrate Him firstly and most importantly. The third code this morning, it's actually number seven, is we are Bible people. Everyone say, Bible people. Amazing. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, you can grab one from the back desk. We have unlimited Bibles, as many Bibles as you want, you can have. But they're all the same translation, so if you want to take 20 of them and just, I don't know, hide them all different places in your house, um, feel free to do that. Download the YouVersion Bible app if you're into that as well. We are Bible people. We believe that the Bible is God's Word and that it has the power to transform lives, starting with us. It is the foundation and authority for everything we do. We love the Word of God. So, in your own personal discipleship, in your discipleship of those next to you, behind you, in front of you, when it comes to services, when it comes to everything, let's come back to culture. Tell you what's a red flag? Christians that live out of every word that isn't the Word of God. Red flag. It doesn't matter what authority figure spoke it over you. If it contradicts the Word of God, we are lacking being Bible people. If it's the word of our past, or if it's a word of our shame, or if it's a word of lies, or if it's a word of a diagnosis or a label, which I have many of, if it's the things that God didn't say, we have to come back to being like, this is kind of a red flag. What is God saying to you right now? What did God say over 2022? What did He say over the valley that you're walking through or the mountaintop you find yourself on? If the answer is some weak, watered-down attempt at John 3.16, you might not be a Bible person. You just grab the last scripture. There used to be this guy in our youth ministry, uh, and he would, uh, he would do this for two reasons. Uh, this is what he would do. He would go up to someone, and he would say, what is God speaking to you about? 
Two reasons. One, he genuinely wanted to know. And two, it was an excuse for him to talk about what he wanted to talk about, what God was telling him about. It was a power play. It was fun to watch. Um, but I remember uh, I walked around with him once because he was uh, one of my connect leaders at, at the time. Um, one of my connectors, he was my connect leader. He was a tribe leader in our youth ministry. And I remember walking around with him one Friday. No, it was one Sunday because he was asking people of all different um, demographics. And there was a common theme. The thing that God was telling everyone about was one of the most top five basic scriptures. You've got John 3, 16 in there. You've got Proverbs 3, verse 5 in there. Maybe you've got some draw near to God because we're Pentecostals. You've definitely got Acts 1, verse 8. Like, there is what God was telling people, I wouldn't call manna fresh bread from God. I would call it predictable. And what I'd really call it, fake. Have you ever been asked a question before and you haven't been spending time with God? So you're going to be like, um, what do I know? Um, John 3.16, God is telling me about how he loves the world and he'll give his son for the world if I believe it. And, and you, you pull out something that isn't being a Bible person, it's being a memory verse person. It's not the same thing. Being someone that lives your life based off the Bible is someone willing to dive deep into the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to address you, convict you, change you, transform you. You don't look for verses to re-establish what you already believe. You look for verses that will examine your heart and cause you to change. Is a major difference between being a Bible person and a Bible reader. Anyone can Google faith scriptures and you can read them out and be like, yes, 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 yes. Look at scriptures about doubt if you're struggling with faith. Find your people. Find the people that are facing the same challenges as you. Find verses that are going to be the full breadth of what God is saying rather than just something you can memorize and declare enough times and that'll make you a Bible person. No, we get our authority and our foundation for everything we do from the Word of God. So what is your foundation, church? Why are you here today? Why are you going to come or not come next week when Pastor Nat shares? Why do you serve or why don't you serve? Why do you witness to your family or why don't you? Why do you share the gospel with strangers or your workplace or why don't you? How do you sleep at night? What scriptures have convicted you that cause you to live a certain way? And please, don't just be the Christian that's like, okay, I'm coming around the Word of God today. God, lead my fingers. And it suddenly opens to the passage that you've opened the most amount of times, by chance, and it, God says the exact thing that you wanted. It actually opened on the ribbon. Oh my gosh, God, lead me by the ribbon. You are a strand throughout all of my life. Yo, you're saying what to me? Be someone that will go deep in the Word of God. A foundation is right to the edge of a building. It's not just going over the same thing again and again and again. In fact, the foundations on the edge of your building are the reason why your walls will come crumbling down. I got caught up in a moment there. I thought of three different languages because I'm very bilingual, but we made it there. Your walls will come down when your foundation is small and hasn't gone to its correct edges. If we are to be Bible people, 
It is a red flag when we know lots of words and not his. It's when I can say a name from the Bible and you don't know whether it's in there or not. You know, no. Is that an Amish word or is that in the Bible? Jedediah? Hmm? I don't know. Bell and the Dragon? Hmm? That's, no, that's not in there. That's the Apocrypha. The Bible people. These codes, before we move on to our last one, these codes are really powerful, but they're one of two things. They are our testimony or they are ideals. It's the same with worship. Sometimes you come and the team can lead you and you sing words that are ideals even though your life is saying something different. You sing the song Healer even though you are not well yet. It is an ideal. It is a declaration to choose truth above experience. We are faith people. We'll move on to that a different week. So with our code, we must eagerly move for them move from them being our ideals to them being our corporate testimony. When someone walks into your connect group, your household, your life, your sphere, do they say all about Jesus, revival, the Bible? If you're waiting for a preacher to make you all about the Bible, you are in the wrong church. You're actually in the wrong denomination. You were looking for a different hierarchy. You're probably looking for a cult, actually. And you haven't walked into one today. I can give you the address of one. Would you like it? It's Wayne and Mary's house. No, just kidding, Wayne and Mary. They live on our property in the corner. It's cool. You cool. Represent. Enjoy your holiday soon. We are Bible people. Red flags were not about Jesus. Red flags were about our own opinions, our own voices. We're not about Him. Red flags, one day God's going to move. Why won't He speak today? Where is His presence now? Are we supernaturally natural today? Will we take a step today? And Bible people, red flags. Have you heard? This is happening. This is what happened in my week. Where's the Word of God, church? And the last one, number 10, is this. We are... Oh, well. I heard someone say, that's a good one. <laughs> so as we are all about Jesus. Um, we are a well of healing. I think that was a voice in my own head then. Oh, that was concerning, wasn't it? Uh, we are a well of healing and refreshment. We are a place where those who are tired, sick, and thirsty can come to be encouraged, loved, and built up. I tell you what. We're a well, not just for those outside of our four walls. We're a well for us. 11.11. We are a well because we make a decision to celebrate God, to choose Jesus above everything, to choose He wants revival now and today, to prioritize His Word and the well of what heaven is we drink deep from. That it's heaven on earth, individually, corporately, that when people come in, they experience a whole bunch of people that are celebrating God very actively when no one's watching so that they can overflow some freshness, some healing, some revival. Some people that have got good relationships with their technology that know how to switch off and connect with God. 
some people that have got good boundaries in their lives that have blocked out certain voices that are stopping the well from flowing. And then people come in, and it's not just one, two, three, four, or five. The people that come in that are exhausted experience a corporate well. They experience it on the driveway. They experience at the welcome desk. They experience it in the car park as they overhear a conversation between families about what they're believing from church that day. They experience it in the foyer where no one's left alone for longer than three seconds. And if they're introverts, we're sorry, you're about to get drained. They experience it through our hospitality. They experience it through our kindness. They experience it as they're welcomed through that door. They experience it when they sit and our team leads them into the presence of God and it is a corporate moment of worship, which is different to listening to tracks at home. And then they experience it through our announcements and our giving. We will talk about giving every single Sunday. Why? Because you worry about money every single day. And it's better to give than receive. And if we believe that, then we're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it lots. If anything, I think we should do three offering messages every service, but Pastor Benaiah won't let me. But while Pastor Benaiah's away, the rats will play. Okay, let's talk about giving again. Bring out the buckets. It wasn't enough. No. Has anyone ever been in a service where they've done two offerings because it wasn't enough? Well, obviously they didn't read the scripture where God multiplies the fish and the loaves, hey? It wasn't enough. Okay. They experience it when it comes to the Word, and when the service finishes, they experience when the church loves each other when they talk about real stuff and real challenges. You don't sit around your table critiquing whether the worship was good. You sit around the table critiquing, is your heart good? And coming back to who we are. Coming back to the things that make us unique, not as just a church, but as the church. The thing that defines us is not cool business slogans or nice structures. The thing that defines us is this kingdom culture coming to earth. So are we a well? Not can I refresh someone, but when someone, we talked about this in our youth and young adults team, that the weakest link is is the definition of our culture. So the person that is the least encouraging is our encouragement culture as a team. Because what happens is when someone experiences that person, they say that person is celebration youth or young adults when I was talking to the team. The least empathetic person is our culture. It's not someone that's a standard over and they look after that gift. No, your gift is there to help me to do the work of ministry. So when it, com- when it comes to we are, are well, uh, the most selfish person in our church, which we're going to put them up on the screen. No, not really. We don't have the ranking. Um, We don't have the ranking on the screen. We've definitely all got our own opinions of it. Um, The only people that laughed then were the people that are very confident they're not in the top five. If you didn't laugh, that's on you, baby. That's on you. (laughs) Uh, That that, the weakest of us, defines our culture. So we must be consistent about pursuing these ideals so that when someone says of Celebration Church, we are a well, they don't talk about the most generous in our room. They don't talk about the most encouraging in our room. They talk about the whole room. They talk about the person that didn't miss the moment when someone headed out this door and headed straight left, but they saw them and they use it as an opportunity to encourage, to love and to build up. 
Our next slide uh, gives you the verses you so eagerly desire uh, for these uh, four codes. Uh, these give us uh, five, five primary verses. Primary, that's how you say that word, primary. Shout out to Mary, primary. Primary? Prim primitive? Primary, thank you. <laughs> These give us a foundation to be Bible people when it comes to our code. But hopefully, when we say we're about Jesus, there's things inside of you that come to the, this is why I'm about Jesus. So when I read through the Gospels, this is how I choose to live in a way that he lived his life. And church, if we don't address red flags... When someone's overly concerned about their needs and not his desires and we, un we leave that unaddressed and not unaddressed by one person that does all the addressing but by the culture itself, we end up in places that we don't want to be. And if these four codes become secondary or things in the background of our church, perhaps Celebration Church's testimony will not be that we celebrate God and that should concern you. I pray that whatever season is your last season in Celebration Church, that you will do everything you possibly can to make the legacy of this church to be about celebrating Him above it all, above my needs and desires, fears, problems, words, labels, selfishness, my opinion. I do not idolize my own experience above his voice. If you've experienced 60 years of walking with Jesus, it is nowhere near as powerful as one word from God. Let's put knowledge where it's supposed to be and let's put testimony where it's supposed to be, beneath his feet. How do I know that? Because... I did 18 years of youth ministry and some of the most profound, biblical, convicting things came out of the mouth of a new Christian on an altar call. The things that changed me the most are not someone that had 50 years of experience and little testimony or 50 years of experience and a lot of testimony. There were moments where God just spoke and he will use anyone that is willing to make it about Jesus. As Kez jumps up on the key, I want to land this plane with a very aggressive red slide. This is my warning and my promise this morning that I think should help us to apply this in our lives. A God-centered culture creates space for Him, hunger for Him, and conformity to Him. I don't know, church, I hope you're concerned if we become a church with even a hint of godlessness that there is a lack of Him in how we speak or live or act or move or address or forgive. <sighs> a great test of you about Jesus is forgiveness. A great test for us to be a godly church is our forgiveness. how we deal with offense, how we deal with the things that could easily make us at the center. The most important thing in the church is your heart not getting through. It's his being known. 
how we forgive, how we love, how we bring it back to Him. And we do it with truth and love with each other. We don't just say, actually, you're not being about Jesus right now. You should learn how to shut your mouth. Like that, that's maybe not the win. Sometimes it definitely is. But not always. To approach people in a way, and I said this to our youth, no, I'm not going to say it. You'll throw things at me. Actually, I'll say it. Can I say it? Yeah, why not? Home stretch. Rats will play. Revelation 3 tells us um, that he would rather hot or cold because if we're lukewarm, he's going to vomit, spew, spit, depending on your translation, you out of his mouth. So the dream is to be in God's mouth, chewed and swallowed. That's the win. But if we are lukewarm and incorrect temperature, we were supposed to be hot or we were supposed to be cold, it is leftovers at the wrong temperature. When we're those things, God promises to vomit us out of his mouth. It's the seventh church spoken to in Revelations. This church does become on fire, but then goes extinct. If we want to, no, we won't do all the church history right now. Keep moving, Joel. You're almost home. At the end of the message, not home, but I am almost home too. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> the God would rather you hot or cold radical because we don't believe that we believe god would want us hot yeah he's yeah awesome hot for jesus yes but if we're we're a little bit off we're still better than that person like we put the most worst people we're not on that list but god promises hot or cold that's what he would rather us on fire for his name, representing him, or his name not attached to our actions. The thing that he is worried and concerned about is someone saying they are this, but the fruit of their life is not this. That's the concern. That's the worry. So we have to close the gap between ideal and practice, ideal and culture, ideal and habits, super quick, as fast as we possibly can. Because when someone experiences hot, they're inspired, they're motivated, that's an amazing example, passion, fire, produces fire, awesome, great. When someone experiences cold, they're like, I don't want to be that. Most children are working pretty hard not to become their parents and definitely not to date them, that's a red flag. You talk like my mom, that's, I don't want that to happen. But what happens with lukewarm is we don't know what we don't know. What happens is in a culture where, oh, about Jesus, not about Jesus, Bible, oh, but also have you read this book? Have you listened to this podcast? Have you listened to this preacher? No one preaches God better than God. So when we're lukewarm, we must be quick and eager to help each other. And ideally, we're getting there, we address in love, truth and love. But if we must choose between silence and truth without love, I'm going to tell you, you want to make a bigger impact? Don't stay silent. Don't be lukewarm, baby. Do it in love, please. But if you don't, still speak truth. Don't compromise the truth. Still speak up. Still be like, actually, uh, 
come on, brother, that's missing the mark. Like, you know a lot of verses, but is that what, is that what God's really saying? Are you twisting these things? Yes, please, do it in love if you can, but if you can't, still do it. Edgy, right? You'll do a lot of damage, but man, at least you'll make an impact. At least you won't be lukewarm. At least you won't be spewed everywhere. At least you'll be, oh, I can't believe Tom said it to me like that. It was right, but man, it was so mean-spirited. You'll still do something. I'm never going to say how Tom said it to me. It was so mean. But if Tom didn't say anything and I went on with my stupidity, if I went on with my lukewarmness, if I went on with making myself the center of the church and gave no space to him, created no hunger for him, and no longer compromised myself for him, I know that's a destination I don't want to end up at. So all the way back to our red flags quote, red flags give us a, a pause of hesitation to determine if this destination is what we want. Red flags are moments of hesitation that determine our destination. This morning, I just wanted to ask you to close your eyes just to give yourself a moment. This is not going to be you lift your hands. This is you and God. Holy Spirit, I ask for us as a church that you would make us firstly aware of our own red flags. I pray even this week as we go about our days, our jobs, our family life, our parenting, relationships, all of it, help us to be triggered by our own red flags and may it cause some hesitation before we speak or do or live or act or keep going away that we don't want to go. Help us to address our own sin when we miss the mark, when we live, when our habits are far from your will. Help us to pull ourselves up and remember who we are, that we are all about you, King Jesus, that we want to be revived by you in our innermost being, every dream, every thought, every part of ourselves, physically, emotionally, spiritually, we want to be revived by you that we want to be based in your word, that we want your word to be the first thing on our lips when giants come, to remind those giants of who we are and who you are and what actually matters, that our faith will be placed in the one that, that calms the waves, that we would live based in your word to our broadest foundation. May it be your words, not our own. And may that result in a well. Not because we're trying super hard to say the right things or to do the right things, but because we've just celebrated you. And we start to see you in others, so we start to celebrate them. We start to see you in others, so we speak healing and encouragement and love, and we build each other up. So I ask these four cultures would move in our lives individually from ideals to testimonies the people would say of us in our workplaces our schools that our children would say of us that our parents would say of us that our siblings our, the people closest to us strangers would make these things the testimony of our lives that they would be legacies and lastly god i ask that you would give us courage and love and boldness to see these red flags in each other, that we would not allow each other to 
to end up at a destination that we don't want. A destination where you're not as welcome as you could be. Where there's no space for you or hunger for you and there's no compromise to your will. Help us to love each other enough to speak up, to make the we culture strong. May all eyes be on you, King Jesus, through our lives, through our actions, not one day, but every day. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen, church. That was a dose of culture for you. Everyone say culture kings. Say culture queens. We love you. Have an amazing week. Please stick around after the service. I have 48 seconds, but I'm not going to use them, baby. You live your lives. We'll see you soon. Peace. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.